awesome wonder. Consider all the worlds thy hands have made. I see the stars, I hear the rolling thunder, thy power throughout the universe displayed. Then sings my soul, my Savior God, to thee, how great thou art, how great thou art. Then sings my soul, my Savior God, to thee, how great thou art. Son not sparing, send him to die. I scarce can take it in that on the cross my burden gladly bearing, he bled and died to take away my sin. Then sings my soul, my Savior God, to thee, how great thou art, how great thou art. Then sings my soul, my Savior God, to thee, how great thou art. And take me home What joy shall fill my heart Then I shall bow In humble adoration And there proclaim My God, how great thou art Then sings my soul Savior God to thee, how great thou art, how great thou art, then sings my soul, my Savior God to thee, how great thou art, how Let's take our Bibles. What a wonderful song and what a wonderful truth. How great thou art, referring to our God, of course, and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. 1 John chapter 5, verse 7, as we 
continue with our Bible Truth series and the work of the Holy Spirit. We began that uh, just a couple weeks ago. 1 John chapter 5, verse 7. There in the passage it says, For there are three that bear record in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost, and these three are one. We began to talk about the person of the Holy Spirit, and we recognized some things. We asked some questions, actually, and um, <clears throat> we asked uh, what part did the Holy Spirit play in creation? And as we began to look at that, we recognized that the work of the Holy Spirit in creation was to impart life. We asked the second question. We said, well, what, did, <clears throat> what part did the Holy Spirit play in the Old Testament overall? Well, as we went along, we realized that the work of the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament was mainly to empower people for some special work. We looked at uh, Basileel, and uh, of course, when the time came to construct the tabernacle and the furnishings that would go along with it, God empowered Basileel for the work by filling him with the Holy Spirit. We also took the time to take a look at David, who's the king of Israel, and we noted that in chapter 51 of the book of Psalm, that he cries out to God and begs the Lord not to take the Holy Spirit from him. And uh, again, we, we made the distinction, and we'll look at it further in the future here, in the next segment, not the one upcoming now, but the next one. We're going to realize that the Old Testament and the New Testament, the work of the Holy Spirit is quite different in those. And although he came upon people for a specific work in the Old Testament, we recognize now today that he indwells us and lives in us always. And so we're going to see there's quite a bit of a difference there between the Old and the New Testament and the work of the Holy Spirit, the primary work of the Spirit, and how he addresses and deals with people. And so even in David's case, we realized he said, man, listen, don't take the Holy Spirit from me. I don't want you to do that. And uh, we don't have to worry about that today, do we? We really don't. We're very fortunate. We're very blessed to live in the dispensation, the time in which we live. And so thankfully, that's not the case for us. But we want to continue by asking another question in reference to the Holy Spirit. What part did the Holy Spirit play during the incarnation of Christ? And when we talk about the incarnation, we're talking about the fact that he was made flesh. The incarnation, that Christ was made flesh, that God embodied uh, uh, was embodied in human flesh. And we know in John chapter 1, verse 14, the Bible says, and the word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld the glory as the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. And we see there that the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. Turn to 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16, please. We're going to note there in 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16, that there's a mystery that we're being uh, reminded of. It's called the mystery of godliness. Yeah, and notice it says in 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16, and without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen of angels, preached unto the Gentiles, believed on in the world, received up into glory. Again, God was manifest in the flesh. And we're asking, what part did the Holy Spirit play during the incarnation of Christ? While Christ was flesh, human flesh, what part did he play? 
Well, let's have a word of prayer and we'll consider that. Father, we thank you again for this time together. Speak to our hearts, work in our lives, and Lord, may you remind us of truths that maybe we've always known or have been known for years. And then, Lord, may you reveal things to us that we desperately need to learn tonight. Again, Lord, we love you. We thank you for all you've done. Lord, we appreciate the memory verse time that we had. And Lord, just how important it is to do that, as we'll see here in just a moment. But Lord, also, we thank you, Father, for just the prayer time that we had for those that are hurting and in need of help, especially your help, Lord. We just pray, dear God, you just bless us now tonight. May you, again, speak to our heart. May your Holy Spirit go forth and do a mighty work tonight. We'll thank you in Christ's name. Amen. So what part did the Holy Spirit play during the incarnation of Christ? Number one, he was conceived by the Holy Spirit. I mean, that's a big part right there. When you talk about the incarnation, that would have never happened without the Holy Spirit, of course, at least based on the Scripture. I mean, I guess uh, God can do whatever He wants, but uh, God chose to use uh, the Holy Spirit to do it His way, and He did. Luke chapter 1, verse 30. The Bible says, And the angel said unto her, Fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God. And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb, and bring forth a son, and shall call his name Jesus. And uh, we said, oh, really? Yeah, that's, that's wonderful. And I'm sure she was going to find that to be a rather uh, uh, kind of unsettling at first. And in Luke chapter 1, the Bible says in verse 34, turn there if you would, please. Luke chapter 1. Just a few verses earlier, she's told, you're going to have a child. Now, it gets a little more specific. Then said Mary unto the angel, Luke 1, 34 through 35, how shall this be, seeing I know not a man? It's a good question, Mary. And the angel answered and said unto her, the Holy Ghost shall come upon thee. Oh, by the way, let me just throw this in. I wasn't in my message, but I think it might be apropos. You know the only way to really guarantee you never come up pregnant before you're married? to not know a man. It's not the school's handing out means by which you can subvert that. I'm just saying, our culture has made up their mind that we are nothing more than animals. and Therefore, we have to meet those needs in our lives, and we have no control over that. Therefore, because our children are just mere animals, we better provide them with the tools they need so that they don't wreck and ruin society. I think we might as well just follow the biblical pattern. You wait till you're married to do things you shouldn't do when you're married. Nonetheless, that's just in there. I thought that I would just throw that out because I think it makes sense when Mary says, how shall this be? Great question, Mary. And God had to say, well, guess what? It's going to have to be something supernatural because, uh, yeah. Notice he says, and the angel answered and said unto her, the Holy Ghost shall come upon thee and the power of the high shall overshadow thee. Therefore also that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. Again, a supernatural conception is going to take place here. Matthew chapter 1, verse 18 through 20, the Bible says, Now the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise, when as his mother Mary was espoused to Joseph before they came together, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost, then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and willing not to make her a public example, of course, was minded to put her away privily. But while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife. Why? For that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. A supernatural 
conception. The Holy Spirit of God, what part did he play in the incarnation of Christ? A supernatural conception here. Christ was conceived within the womb of Mary by the Holy Spirit. It's amazing, isn't it? It's a miracle. Supernatural. Number two, what part did the Holy Spirit play? Christ was baptized by the Holy Spirit. Turn to Matthew chapter 3, verse 16, please. Matthew chapter 3, verse 16. Christ was baptized by the Holy Spirit. So now he is in flesh, and we know that he's around the age of 30, and here he is now, going to be baptized. But notice the fact is, is that the Holy Spirit plays a major part in this. It's not just water we're going to talk about. Notice what happens, Matthew 3, 16. And Jesus, when he was baptized, went up straightway out of the water, and lo, the heavens were opened unto him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting upon him. Listen, there can be no doubt that the Lord Jesus Christ was filled with the Spirit already. We know that. Here, the Spirit's anointing him for the work that lay ahead. Christ, I mean, he, he uttered not a single word. He didn't take a single step. He didn't make the slightest move in his public ministry until he was anointed with the Holy Spirit of God. There was never a time when the the Lord Jesus Christ wasn't filled with the Spirit, but he was anointed at his baptism. And in Luke chapter 4, verse 1, the Bible says, And Jesus, being full of the Holy Ghost, returned from Jordan and was led into the Spirit into the wilderness. In Ephesians 5, 18, we read a very important passage that applies to you and I. And be not drunk with wine, wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit, the Bible says. Listen, how imperative is it that you and I are equally filled and anointed with the Spirit of God before attempting anything on behalf of God. I mean, if Christ was needful of the Spirit, how much more are you and I needful of the Spirit? It's amazing. I'm looking in my notes, and I realized that the uh, new set that I printed out, I threw away. And I have the old set in front of me. Because I kept thinking, now I put that verse in a different place. It still works. The Bible always works. But how imperative is it? I mean, we really need to be very careful that we attempt nothing on behalf of God without the filling of the Spirit of God in our life. So important. I mean, Jesus Christ, I mean, we say, well, he's God in flesh. And he needed the Spirit of God. How much more do we? Crazy, isn't it? Number three, again, we're thinking and we're talking about and answering this question, what part did the Holy Spirit play during the incarnation of Christ? We said, well, he was conceived by the Holy Spirit. He was baptized by the Holy Spirit. He was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted or tested, if you will. Matthew chapter four, verse one. Then was Jesus led up of the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. Now, it's interesting, but you got to believe that the Lord, over the course of his life, right, over those, those uh, 30 years, that he had a number of skirmishes with evil. you got to believe that he wasn't, I mean, it wasn't like evil just never showed up on his doorstep. I mean, maybe there was a school bully that he had to deal with. I mean, each school has one, right? 
I mean, maybe there was a jealous brother. Some homes have them. Maybe there was an opinionated rabbi. Many churches have one. Maybe there was a dishonest tradesman, businessman. Most towns have one. I mean, maybe there was a a spiteful neighbor. A number of communities have one. But moment by moment, step by step, situation by situation, Jesus was filled with the Spirit of God, and he thought, said, and did only what the Father wanted him to think, say, and do. And that's exactly what God expects of us, too. I mean, sometimes if we're not careful, we kind of excuse ourselves because of the actions of others around us. We say things like, well, if you only knew how they treated me, if you knew what they said, if you knew what they did, then you would see I'm justified in my attitude and my actions and my response. And I wonder today, does Jesus think it's appropriate? I mean, like he never faced anything like that? And yet he was filled with the Spirit and he never did anything outside of the proper. He did the right things. He thought, he said, he did everything and only those things that honored Christ. You say, that's different. He was God, we're humans. It's the same power source. It's the same thing, the Holy Spirit of God. As challenging as those moments might have been in his life, and I'm sure they were challenging, He was just flesh like you and I in that regard. He now faces Satan himself. In Luke chapter 4, verses 1 and 2, turn there, would you please? He's going to face uh, the God of this world now. It's interesting that mankind placed him in that position, by the way. We failed to receive and accept the Lord, and we stead followed our flesh and allowed Satan to guide and direct. He was placed on a pedestal here, and now he's the God of this world. The Lord will take back his rightful place one day, though, fortunately and thankfully. Luke chapter 4, verses 1 through 2. I wonder how different it'll be when Satan's no longer on the throne of this world. I wonder if we'll enjoy it. I wonder if we'll actually be sad. You ever think about it? All the things we allow in our lives that don't belong? When Satan's no longer on the throne, they won't be permitted. Will we be bumming? Not being able to watch certain things and say certain things and act certain ways and do certain things. You know what I'm saying. How will that affect us then? So we'll have a new body, hopefully, by then. Yeah, I mean, maybe that'll be our only real hope, huh? You say you're being pretty critical. We live in a world today that is so saturated with sinful things. I'm convinced that in my own life, I'm sure as well as many other lives, that we're not even aware of how far we have fallen. I'm just saying we need to be very careful that we're sensitive to the Spirit of God as He guides and directs us in and through the Word of God. Boy, that Word is so perfect and true. We need to align ourselves with the Word of God and the Spirit of God. 
And let's be honest, I mean, that, that's a chore at times. It's difficult in the world in which we live. It's been difficult in every generation. It's no more difficult than it's ever been, really. It's just that there's so many, I guess, if you will, um, amusements in our world today. Because our whole world is built on amusement. Everything's about pleasure. Everything's about comfort. Everything's about ease today. That's what it's all about. I mean, you look at shoe, shoes today. Everything's about comfortable shoes. It doesn't matter if they look good or look sharp or they make you look like a million bucks. All that matters is that they're comfortable. I mean, look at the clothes we wear at the mall today. It's all about being comfortable. You don't think the God of this world is happy to see those kind of things fall into that realm? You think it's, he has a, he's glad that that things like that have been totally tossed out the window, that people don't do things because it's right anymore, they only do it because it's comfortable? I think we've fallen into the comfort zone sometimes. That's why it's hard to pass out of track, isn't it? I get in my comfort zone. I don't, I don't feel comfortable doing that. You know, that's just our lives today, comfort. And, you know, I'm just saying, you know, the Holy Spirit of God has got to be king and Sadly enough, that's a battle to be fought. We've got to be willing to let him have control. And in this case, Jesus now is going to face the devil. He's going to face him out there on the battleground. And I mean to tell you, if you're going to face the world in which we live, you're going to stand for Christ. You and I are going to face some real battles with the God of this world even. And in this particular case, the Bible says in Luke 4, verses 1 and 2, and Jesus being full of the Holy Ghost... I mean, listen, you can't take that out without wrecking the whole, whole thing. I mean, he's got to be full of the Holy Ghost or he is toast. He doesn't face Satan if he doesn't have the power of the Holy Spirit. What in the world do we hope to accomplish? In the world in which we live, facing the God of this world without the filling of the Spirit of God. Someone says, well, I don't know if I'm filled with the Spirit of God. I don't know if I've ever been, but I try to live a good life. Are we able to live any kind of life in the Christian life without the Spirit of God? I mean, I'm just, I'm just throwing it out there. I'm asking biblically, I mean, based on what we read in Scripture, I mean, is there any aspect of our Christian life that we can be successful in without the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit? Not according to the Word of God, at least, not according to the life of Christ, it seems like every aspect of his life, as we'll see here over these last next couple of things, and we got to hurry tonight, but we see that the fact is, is that he had to have the Spirit of God. And if God had to have the Spirit of God while he was on earth and taking on the form of sinful man, unfortunately he wasn't sinful man, but he took on the flesh. Fortunately it was, he didn't have the sin nature, by the way, because he wasn't conceived by man, but he did know what it was to be tempted. He could have sinned, so to speak, and that's, again, one of those, well, could Jesus have ever sinned because he was God and all that good stuff? I get it. Yeah, we've gone over that in Bible college. have gone over that with other brothers in Christ. Yeah, I get it, but I believe that Jesus could have done something wrong or it would not be, he, then he would never have been able to be tempted. He never would understand my hurt, my heartache. He wouldn't know what it would be like to have to face temptation if he hasn't been there already. So he obviously was capable of being tempted. Matter of fact, here in the wilderness, we see here that the devil's going to tempt him. 
It's going to, a trial is going to come into his life here. He says, and being full of the Holy Ghost, he returned from Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. Being 40 days tempted of the devil, and in those days he did eat nothing. And when they were ended, he afterward hungered. Now, you've heard it said that after about well, two or three days, you know, you're not hungry anymore when you're fasting. Well, they say that you hit 30 or 40, and next thing you know, you're hungry again. That's what I've read. <laughs> Obviously, Jesus was. He actually had a body like yours and mine, or he would have never gotten hungry, right? And as we read through the passage, you know, we're given the secret to the spirit-filled believer's success in overcoming the temptation and testings of Satan. In Luke chapter 4, verse 4 again, he says, And Jesus answered him, saying, It is written, that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. Luke 4, 8, And Jesus answered and said unto him, Get thee behind me, Satan, for it is written, that thou, uh, thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. Luke 4.10, for it is written, he shall give his angels charge over thee to keep thee. Again, we need to notice a real important phrase, for it is written. And again, listen, you know, we can go ahead and we can practice it. We can read blogs till we're, we're, we got bloodshot eyes. We can read self-help books till we got bloodshot eyes. You know, we, we, we can uh, uh, listen to tapes and stuff of people telling us why we should do this and do that and how important this is and how important that is and why this is so successful, this isn't successful. Man, I mean, all the self-help books, all the do-it-yourself stuff, all the anything and everything you can think of did not give Jesus one bit of hope when he faced Satan. Not one of those things did he take the time to bring with him that day. When it came time to face the God of this world, when it came time to battle against sin and evil, he said, there's only one book that I'm going to have to really dig into. The only one book I've got to really face up to, I'm going to have to put this into practice. I'm going to have to use it because it's the only one that's going to give me an escape. It's the Word of God. And we don't often treat it that way. No, fortunately, we've got a good group of people this year that are reading through their Bible in the church. I'm excited about that. I'm super excited about the memory uh, verse challenge, and I think this is great. And I'm anxious to see how many of you learn the verses, and I'll be listening to you. No, I'm teasing. I'm going to do it too. <laughs> if I wouldn't have said that, some of you would have left me. He isn't going to do them, is he? I don't. I can't believe he's the pastor. Yeah. I've learned 300 verses this last week alone. So anyway, <laughs> but really, man, this is, this is exciting. I am fired up, man. As they say in California, I'm stoked, man. <laughs> I mean, this is great. Is that California or is that just the X Games? I don't know what that is, but anyway, I don't know. <laughs> oh, that's not our state for sure. Yeah, right, okay. Yeah. It's a pitiful state that I'm in right now, right? All right. It is written. It is written. And so the Word of God, it's interestingly enough, the Word of God was his weapon of choice. And the Bible tells us, as you well know, take not the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And so we see that the, the, the Word of God is a sword then, and it's a weapon. 
And uh, the Word of God, again, is the sword of the Spirit, and the Spirit shows up then. When we start wielding this thing around, He's showing up. Every time I turn around, the Spirit's involved in our successes. I mean, we need Him more than we can even shake a stick. We can't even imagine how important He is, I don't think. I I think we will never fully appreciate His work in our life and the importance of Him in our Christian life journey. In Hebrews 4.12, it says, for the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrows, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Man, I mean to tell you, that word is important. It cuts deep into the heart of mankind. It cuts to the chase and gets to the point. I mean, it cuts out our sin, the sin in our lives. It separates us from that sin. Man, the Word of God, it's, it's interesting. You know, in Psalm chapter 119, verse 105, the Bible says, Thy Word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. You think about this book, the one that Jesus took to fight into battle with Satan. And we talk about temptation or testings in our life and how we're to overcome those. And he says simply, it is written. I mean, as it is written, Satan, as it is written. And you know what he's saying? He's saying, man, listen, I've got this book and this book is my weapon. And you know what that weapon does? It cuts deep into the heart. Yes, it cuts to the chase and gets to the point. It cuts out sin in our lives. But let me tell you what else it does. It steers us away from sin and reveals the escape plan of God. It guides us. You know what? If we don't spend time in this book, we walk right into sin. What does our our memory verse say this week? We just talked about it. Psalm 119, verse 11. Thy word have I hid in mine heart that I might not sin against thee. You know what this word is? It's a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. You go ahead and sidetrack, I mean, lay this book down. Then let me tell you what, you are in danger of walking right into sin. Why? Because it's the light. It lightens our path. It reveals to us the dangers and the pitfalls that lie ahead. It, it guides us around and away from those things that will misguide us, sidetrack us, trip us up. Man, I'll tell you what, the Word of God, the Lord says, hey, you know what? Um, I'm in a battle today. Let me see. Let me see what I can bring. I think I'll bring a songbook. I'll bring, well, that's not a songbook. That's a Matthew Henry are those mine? Where's my songbook at? He said, I'm going to bring a songbook. That's what I'm going to bring to the fight, Satan. Oh, what a wonderful, wonderful day, day I will never forget. That'll send him running. After I wandered in, that's not what he brought to the fight. He didn't bring a songbook. And as, he didn't bring a Matthew Henry commentary. Yeah, that worked out good, didn't it? Wow, let's see what he has to say about battling in the spirit. This'll do it. He didn't bring a commentary. Huh, that's something. Well, let's see. I know what I'll bring. I'll bring the Sunday school lesson with me from last week. That'll do it. The Sunday school lesson, there was a great, great passage. Not in the Word of God, of course. It was more of a, somebody was sharing something out of life. It was a life experience. It was good. Now, 
Nothing wrong with illustrations. We know those are helpful. But friend, can I tell you, if I'm going to face Satan, I don't want an illustration. I want the real thing. Man, I, I, I'm telling you, Jesus didn't take a songbook. He didn't take a commentary. He didn't take a book, book of illustrations. He took the sword of the Spirit. Man, you want victory in your life? I want victory in mine. We need to do exactly what Jesus did. Man, what, what part did the Holy Spirit play in the incarnation? One of the things he did was he went to battling for the Lord, man. I mean, he was led out there by the Spirit, put right in the throes of Satan. I mean, right in the, 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 the what do they call those things, guys? The hair, what's that called? The crosshairs, yeah. That's right. Right in the crosshairs of Satan. Thanks a lot, Holy Spirit. But he didn't leave him there alone. Jesus took the word of God with him. You say, I didn't see anywhere where he had a Bible, the word of God. It wasn't even canonized until almost 150, 200 A.D. And yeah, but he had it in his heart. He was the word. He is the word. <laughs> you know what? How important is it that we take those memory verses that we're learning and that we truly memorize them and hide them in our hearts? Because we may face Satan one day and not actually have a copy of the book. Maybe our phone actually gets broken. We actually have to remember what we studied. Quote scripture. Man, let's, let's put it in front of our kids. Let's make sure we're sitting there. And I, I think so many of you, from what I hear, and I'm excited about that, are taking the time, even in some devotions and things like that, to say, let's make memory a part of that, even that time. Let's really ensure that we're getting these verses down, hiding them in our heart. Why? Because this book's going to guide us away from sin. This book's going to protect us in the midst of the storm of sin and, and, and just wickedness in the world in which we live. You know what? I'm convinced of this. You might not be. I don't think your children have to go off into sin. I just don't believe it. I don't believe every kid has to dabble in all the wickedness of the world. I don't believe it. Oh, I know many do, but I'm telling you, they don't have to. Man, if I believed that, I wouldn't have been staying in church. I'd have just quit. I'd have quit. If God ain't big enough to protect me and my family, then you know what? Forget it. He ain't big enough for me. I'll do it on my own then. But he is big enough. And he can do that. And if there's been some failures along the way, it's not really God's fault. We're just human. We make mistakes. But man, I mean, don't quit on your kid. Don't think somehow your kids are doomed to sinning and messing up and being a mess. They are not. They're not. Just keep serving Jesus and loving. And get the Spirit of God. Let the Spirit of God be real in your life and in your family. And man, just let God have a place there all the time. There's so many things that I want to share tonight, and I have it. But, you know, we're out of time, and that's okay. You don't, you don't always need a lot. You know what you need? Just enough to practice. You know, if we would just walk away tonight with a little better appreciation of the book that God's given us, the Word of God, this would have been, this would have been, I mean, life-changing. 
I don't know if you can agree with me or not, but boy, do I need to make more of, a, more of this right here in my life. It needs to be bigger in my life. You know what? That's up to us. That's our decision. There's 24 hours in every day, isn't there? And you know what? You have the same 24 I have, and I have the same 24 you have. The question is, how important will we make this book in those 24 hours? Father, we come to you. We thank you for this time together. We just ask, Lord, that you'd be glorified in our lives. Again, thank you, Father, for just these folks that have made their way here. Thank you, Father, for these families that are just uh, so faithful. And we just ask, dear God, that you would just bless us tonight. And, Lord, we just pray, Lord, that you would just be glorified in everything that was said and done. And, Lord, may you just encourage us tonight from your word. We think about, Father, just what your Holy, the part that the Holy Spirit played in even the life of Jesus. And, and we, we are so, we marvel at the fact that he needed the Holy Spirit so awfully much. Lord, help us to realize how much we need the Spirit of God. Lord, may we not attempt anything on your behalf without being filled with your Spirit, without in, in inviting the Holy Spirit to, to fill us and asking him to do just that in our life, to equip us for the work that you've called us to do. Lord, help us to realize, Lord, that the, the Spirit of God and the Word of God are so connected that we can't help but face sin and face Satan without the Word of God and the Spirit of God who makes it applicable in our lives and truly changes us. Help us, Lord, we pray. We love you. We thank you. And Lord, I thank you for this wonderful crowd that's gathered tonight. And I ask, Lord, you'd be with them and their families. Lord, we are under attack today as believers. Help us to stand strong together, but Father, even alone when we're on our own out in this world, help us, Father, to raise the banner high and to, to, to stand tall for you. And Lord, just be with our children. And Lord, may they have a love for you. May they be convinced that you are real and that you are there for them and that you can help them. And Lord, just help them to see that it's worth living for you. May they see the, the victories that come out of obedience and just the, the wonderful life that you bring. We love you. We thank you. We'll praise you for all you do. In Christ's name, amen. Let's all stand to our feet. Every head bowed, every eye